0: Welcome to What I Wish I Knew by Dental Head Start, your weekly mentoring session thanks to cpdjunkie.com.au. All it takes is just one conversation to spark a movement or to inspire a change. Welcome back to What I Wish I Knew, my name Erica Huen, and we're back with our final episode with Dr. Amanda Phu Nguyen. And as we recorded this segment, we were getting later into the night, winding down a little bit and we have a bit of a heart to heart about things outside of just clinical dentistry. I think dr amanda is such a great role model for younger dentists in terms of just living to your greatest potential and chasing your passions and not worrying so much about what other people think in this episode we talk about all things from work-life balance does that even exist to managing our own self-doubt and imposter syndrome to really standing our ground and you know being confident in ourselves and knowing in what situations to say no towards the end of the conversation we also touch on dr amanda's role as the current president for the western australia committee for women in dentistry and what women in dentistry means to her and what their vision is and what they want to see it really goes to show that all it takes is one conversation to show that we're not alone or that other people may be in the similar boat and so I invite you all wherever you are to grab yourself a cup of tea wind down a little bit with us and join us in this little conversation where we talk about standing your ground just posing this question
1: of work-life balance
0: (laughs) and what do you think of it do you think it exists
1: I think it should I don't, yeah. um, I, I don't know if it does. I don't know if it does. I think it should. I think it's something that's probably someone's always looking for. Um, I do think that uh, I don't know if I've got a good work-life balance. I mean, sometimes I think I work too much. But then I also enjoy myself a lot uh, with friends and going out and stuff like that. So I don't know. I think it's, I think it's an evolving concept. I think it'll mean something different to everyone. And I think as long as you're happy and you recognize the signs of burnout and you, you, f- you feel like what you're doing is sustainable, um, then I think that's okay. Yeah, but it's an interesting concept because, yeah, although there is probably one thing that I would say about work-life balance, I can't speak for anyone else, but for me... Working five days clinical would be too much. So, I'm very happy with what I do at the moment, which is about four days clinical, and then one day extra to do all of these uh, other things that I do. So, I don't, in, when I was in general dentistry, I worked six days, uh, including um, like a half day Saturday. Um, I think that's probably too much. But then I know people that work six days and they're very happy on it. So, yeah, I think it's definitely different. But for me, I know that four days clinical a week is probably the most that I would want to do. If if it's more than that, yeah, if it's more than that, it's hard.
0: The reason why I kind of wanted to ask you about like, yeah, the thought, your thoughts on work life balance is because I guess when I see, you know, what you do with your day to day, or or I don't know that well, but I guess from what I, I see it's just, you know, you're so obviously you're working clinically, but you're posting constantly and always like learning more and then helping educating people, advocating for um, all sorts of things like women in dentistry and other aspects. But then like you're so into fashion and then you're doing poetry on the side. I'm like, how do you do all of this? And I feel like the term balance almost makes me feel like it's a compromise like you're compromising different aspects of your life to get some sort of balance but when I see you like what I feel like is just you're living to the max or living life to its fullest potential and I guess what are your thoughts on just doing all these different things and is that just something that was always in you or something that you kind of developed over the years to really fulfill all these different aspects
1: that's a really interesting question I mean I think I've always been a bit like that in the sense that I always liked to organize things. So um, I've I've got a group of close girlfriends and we grew up together in Singapore. And um, before COVID, obviously, we would do like overseas like oh, girls trips together. And I would be the one with the schedule, right? i will be like, okay, 8 o'clock we'll get up, 9 o'clock we'll finish breakfast, 9 or 5 we'll have a toilet break, and then 9.30 we'll go on the bus and we'll do this. Um, but that, that obviously never worked because my, my friends are, <laughs> they're just like, just chill <laughs> out, we're on vacation, we don't want to do this. Um, So I think I've always been like, um, I think I've always liked to organize things, but I don't Think, I don't think that it's, um, I don't know. I feel like sometimes maybe I accidentally fell into this. Um, I think I just started doing things that I liked doing. And then it just kind of kept going from there. I mean, I do think that one of the things that I feel is that um, any anyone who wants to do anything, I think they've got to be quite authentic to themselves. They've got to be quite happy because... Uh, I feel like if I and I don't get paid to do social media, obviously, and I don't get paid to do a lot of my committee positions. So, like, if I'm happy to do it for free, then that's probably a good sign that I really do like doing it. I think where sometimes maybe people can feel discontent is if they're not happy with what they're doing. So, I think you know, um, I, I've I've seen a few people before in the past who thought that it would be a really good idea to go on social media, which I think it is because I love social media. Um, But then if it becomes a chore, if it becomes uh, stressful to do it, or you hate doing it, or you don't like doing it, um, then I think it will very naturally stress you out. Whereas for me, no one's driving me to post. Like I don't have reminders. I don't have a schedule. I don't have someone telling me that I need to post Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Like I just post whenever I want but because I like it so much I post very often (laughs) so I think so I think maybe that's the key like I think the key is just to do it if you want to do it and do it like how often you want to do it and then also I suppose have a think about whether it's going to be sustainable or not because sometimes I think that I'm the sort of person as well who gets very excited about things so I would want to do this and I want to do that or let's you know let's start a chess club or like you know let's let's start a wine tour Company or you know I, I just talked to my husband the other day about wanting to like start selling like um you know slime because I saw <laughs> was a good idea and he was like you, you like don't be crazy you've got no time to do it so I think sometimes I'm the sort of person that gets very carried away with this um but I think what actually makes something sustainable and worth doing is um, a combination of factors like one of it i think you, um is the japanese concept of ikigai right so you you've, you've got to bring value to what you're doing and you've got to be good at doing it and it's got to be helpful to people so i think if you find something there that hits all of those targets you don't have to actually work very hard at making it happen because you want to do it anyway so you will do it so i think the issue is where you hate something but you're forcing yourself to do it and i think that's where that's where it doesn't work yeah,
0: no, and I guess I can relate to that a lot in just like what I do with the podcast. Yes. And that yeah, like I'm I'm in clinic most of the days and studying, but then whenever I'm working on the podcast or like creating content, getting in you know, a sit down and chat with our guests or even making the podcast out or being on Instagram, it doesn't feel like a job or a chore and it's enjoyable. And I guess, yeah, I wanted your perspectives on it, because I think a lot of us can get very consumed in like studies or in work and I think we often I think something I hear a lot about is that you don't have time to do other things and because you were mentioning before about being that very organized person I wanted like I wondered do you allocate time to do your hobbies or allocate time where you're like oh I want to work on um, this project or that project or is it a little bit more
1: spontaneous to you? It is a little bit more spontaneous. I think I used to be fairly organized but I think at the moment just because I'm doing a few things it's it's almost like a priority thing so I usually tell people like if there's something that's on my to-do list and it has to be done by a certain time let me know when it has to be done by because if not then it will just sit on my list and I'll get to it when I can. Um, so I think it's probably a combination of both like I think it's there still has to be some organization if not I think it'll be complete chaos um, but then I think there has to be some spontaneity uh, within it as well because I think for me in particular that's what makes um, things fun yeah so like for example if I'm going to do a post today or if I want to give a webinar tomorrow or if I want to you know present or you know if I want to have morning tea at work like you know all of this sort of stuff like I think there has to be some latitude within there as well how
0: do you do you have any tips on I guess because you do a lot of I guess you have your clinical days, but then you were saying how you had like your one non-clinical day which you dedicate to like committee work or um, like hosting webinars or doing these things. And a lot of that stuff, I guess, is a lot more flexible in that it's not a typical like nine to five where there are allocated slots. How do you go about managing your to-do list and prioritising? Because you were just mentioning before about prioritising. Do you have any systems or anything that you use to help figure out or like when you should do this and not procrastinate because I know a lot of us fall into that trap of just like oh I should um respond to that and then it's three weeks later and you realize you still haven't done anything about it oh.
1: well, <laughs> do you have any uh, tips on that of I was gonna say honestly oh not really <laughs> um I think I just do things um as and when I feel like doing them I mean I do feel like so It's it's always a balance because in the past, I used to be the one that would like listen to these podcasts and, you know, like, um, and they say, you know, like hustle culture or like, you know, if, if you're sleeping, you're wasting time and stuff like that. And then it reached a point where I was like, no, hang on. There's a lot of things that I'm doing that I'm not enjoying. Right. So this is not working for me. And for me as well, a lot of things that I was doing that I was not enjoying was unpaid work anyway. It was just volunteering stuff. So, um, I did have a bit of a priority list, for example, where things, uh, which were things that I wanted to continue doing and things that I would say no to. So, I think it's very important. Because I remember growing up, and I don't know if it's like a cultural thing, but I was sort of taught, um, to say yes to everything. So if you have an opportunity, say yes. Like, you know, you don't want to miss out. If people are asking you to do these things, they must, it must mean that they value you and they want you to do it. So you should do it. So I went through this period of time where I was saying yes to everything. If anybody needed help with anything, like, I would be the person to help. And I actually didn't mind doing it because I like doing a lot of these things. But then it got to the stage where, Um, either I wasn't adding value in those positions anymore because that's why we're doing it. Like I'm not doing it for the money. A lot of times I'm doing it is because I can help or because I'm bringing something to the table. When it got to that point where it wasn't worth it or where I wasn't helping anymore, um, I think it's very important that we don't feel bad saying no. I think saying yes to everything, I think hustle culture um, is a lie. Um, I think hustle, like hustling is good, right? Because, you know, obviously um, hard work is is good, but I think sometimes it can be over-glorified. So uh, there's no like conscious thing in my mind where I do, you know, uh, set hours a day of different things. But if I find that um, certain things are just not working out anymore. I think I've got to that point where I'm quite comfortable saying no. I'm not saying that, like, you know, if it's a little bit difficult, if you've got a lot of work to do or, like, um, you know, the venue is pulled out and you need to find a new venue. Like, all of those things are part and parcel of the positions and I think that's normal. But I think it's more like when you feel like you're not really making a difference anymore or when you feel like – um. I think most times you can tell when things aren't working out. Um, I think it's important that we actually respect ourselves enough to say no to certain things. And then the other thing that I think is really important is that when you start saying no to certain things, the people who will get angry at you for saying no to certain things were the ones who are directly benefiting from you being there as well. So don't feel bad about that. Mm.
0: That's a really interesting topic because I also think exactly what you said just then about um, being brought up in a culture where you're yeah just um saying yes to everything um that's been a very hot topic of discussion lately probably especially (laughs) over this weekend as I've been home over Easter is just yeah the whole concept of saying yes to opportunities and I think it's a bit of a balance especially for like me being early on in my career where I very much am saying yes to any opportunities because it's like I'm not really you know a bit of a nobody like anyone is you know giving me the opportunity to do anything I really want to say yes to but I think what you shared was just really valuable insight about also questioning why you're doing it and whether it is providing value. Because I think there's a balance of being open to those opportunities and seeing where it takes you, but also looking after yourself and are you taking on a little bit too much to handle? Um, Have you got thoughts on, you were mentioning before, like saying no, and I think that leads onto the idea of like standing your ground um have what are your thoughts on that and i guess oh, i've got
1: a thinking? lot of thoughts yeah <laughs> they're, and they're very and they're very complicated thoughts um well not complicated yeah. thoughts but it's um i think it's very um complicated because i think at my core um, and i think it's really important that you know yourself as well right because i have a lot of friends um in the like political um sphere or things like that and they um handle it very well. They are very good at what they do. um, And I really admire that. Some of them are my closest friends and I love what they do. But I think it's sometimes quite important to know yourself as well. So myself, I think maybe just the way I was born or my upbringing or something like that, I've always been a very social person. Um, And one of the things that I like is getting Along well with people So I'm not the sort of person And there are people like that And you know All all power to them But you know We all see like Politicians in the news And stuff like that Who love a fight right? They they get geared up and it makes them happy and they want to make their point And they're like, you know, and, you know, I'm happy to sit from the sidelines and support them if their view is, is my view, but I'm not really that sort of person. So I think it's quite important to know because I think um, depending on what position that you're doing, I think in life, actually, in general as well, um, nobody's like, not everyone's going to like you. And, if you put yourself out there, the more supporters you have, the more haters you also have, the more people who don't like you or don't like what you're doing or don't understand what you're doing. Um, and I think for me, it's been a process, um, you know, growing up over time as well um, to know that that's fine because I don't really um, like them either. <laughs> like, you know, like, so So I think it's, um, I think it's recognizing that. So I think part of standing your ground is knowing yourself, um, knowing why you are doing the things that you're doing. And if you are the dissent- dissenting voice in the room, if you what is the reason behind it am i saying no because i think the guy who proposed it is an idiot and i don't like his face or am i saying no because i think it's an actual problem Um, and i think knowing so being the dissenting voice sometimes um is important because these are how trailblazers are made right like people who basically um try to change things but there has to be a very clear thought in your head whether you're doing the right thing or not. And to be fair, everyone always thinks that they're doing the right thing, which is why it's important to surround yourself with people who you like and who you think are sensible and who have, you know, good thoughts um, and bounce ideas off them. So, that's what I think. So I, I do have a few mentors, for example, in, in the dental industry. Um, I've been quite lucky to have them. So sometimes when I get given opportunities where I'm not sure if I want to do them or something that would take up a significant amount of time and I know I'm going to have to make sacrifices in, in other areas to do it, I have a chat with them and go, look, um, so-and-so offered this, this position for me. Like, should I take it? And I'll be like, the cons are that this and this, and then the, uh, the pros are this and this and the cons and this and this. And then sometimes I can't see the forest or the trees right but then they helped me do that so I think um being vulnerable and being open to talking about this is good um, because I think a lot of times uh you need you, you you need that
0: yeah no wow that resonates with me a lot <laughs> and that idea of just being a people please and I think that's something that I'm learning especially this year that you can't be best friends with everyone and you can't please everyone. And that's not to say, oh, you go off and be a bum or you're, you're rude to people, but it's just I think being more confident in yourself and just being like, hey, this is who I am and accepting that you might not be everyone's cup of tea. I think in particular for like ex- especially you yourself saying how um, – Prominent you are on like social media and posting a lot. Now you did a really nice reel the other day. I think I, I spoke to you about where you're like, oh, some people will call you cringe or whatever, but just like do what you enjoy. I guess, how have you gone about managing that? Like being so open and vulnerable and susceptible to so many people, like opinions and stuff. Have you, did you ever, were you ever, I guess, um, sensitive or insecure about it? Or was it something that you've been able to
1: pretty easily just like block out? Yeah, um, I think I was, but probably not overly so. And the reason for that was that I grew up in Singapore. So I only moved to Melbourne, Australia when I was 14. And that was the time when blogspot was older age, right? So I've had a blog since I was 14. So there is a certain level of comfort of just saying whatever I want to say online. Obviously, I'm a lot better now that I'm an adult and, and not a 14-year-old child. Um, so I think there's, there, there is that degree of comfort um, but oh, of, of course, of course it gets to me like, 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 um, especially I think sometimes it hurts most when it's people whose opinion you have previously respected or people, uh, that you thought were, were your friends. I think that's probably when it can become a bit dicey because if it's someone, you know, halfway across the world who I've never met and who I'll never meet, um, and they want to argue with me about something like it, it doesn't, that, that doesn't really bother me. I think it's more, um, people who I thought was previously close. But I think the thing that really does help is being surrounded by a, a good group of people, um, family and you know people who are fairly supportive. I mean, I do get occasional things, but actually to be honest, not that much because the other thing about most people, only a handful will actually say it to my face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes, <laughs> like, you know, the things I say behind my back, like, if they're not going to come and tell me to my face, then it probably, means, it probably means that there's nothing I need to pay attention to anyway. So I think what I've – I think yeah, I just grew a thicker skin over time. Like, some things do still bother me, but um, a lot less. And I, the other thing is I'm quite comfortable now um, telling people where my limits are. So if I feel like a conversation is going nowhere, because sometimes occasionally um, I post something and then someone posts something and we have a bit of a discussion, and I always try to look at it as an academic discussion and don't, not take it personally, because there's so much in the literature out there, and I am I'm, I'm not, you know, like there will be so many different things that other people would think that have merit. Um, so if it's an academic conversation, I actually really enjoy that. Um, but it, when it devolves to something else, then that's basically I'm like, yep, that's it, we're done. And then I just don't reply anymore. So I think that also helps because basically um, I just don't don't engage anymore. Um, so I think that's helpful. I mean, I think at the start there was a little bit of fear or worry in me. Um, like for example, I think I um, had a bit of a disagreement with the specialist over East uh, and he said something that I actually didn't agree with. And then I um, had a conversation and I, I still think I'm right, obviously. But, you know, I posted the literature that was supporting the stuff that I was saying. And then it basically devolved into this thing where, like, it, it was clear that we're not going to uh, see eye to eye. So I was like, okay, good. let's just agree to disagree. Um, there was a period of time where I was afraid that it would affect how people would see me. Like, I was afraid that people would then... Um, uh, not believe what I'm saying. But then nobody really thought like that. It was all just in my head. So I basically just told the uh, negative self to to quiet down and it was fine. <laughs> a, a lot of times um, your negative voice is, is worse than anyone else's as well, actually. That's probably the other thing. Absolutely.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, I think something that you mentioned that's I guess you're really important. And I, I have a lot of respect for it with kind of knowing your limits and just realizing, hey, I don't need to win this conversation Mm. I think that's a big thing just realizing you don't necessarily need to win an argument or just being like you know what like I'm happy to kind of just leave it at that and walk away I think it takes a lot of strength to just realize yeah like perhaps this isn't worth like you know continually arguing and turning it more sour
2: Ripe Global is an incredible resource, especially in these times where travel is a little bit difficult, but we're also realizing it's all, not always necessary for our education. Especially when we're starting our career, we just want to get as much as we can, and a platform like Ripe Global's membership is perfect for that. But Ripe Global is a lot more than that. They've got the fellowship in restorative dentistry, and while it's already started with the posterior dentistry course, they've just released the anterior dentistry course, one where you're going to learn about composites as aesthetics, isolation and indirect work as well. One of the hardest things to do in dentistry is a single front tooth and this course is aimed at helping you improve that skill. Find out more at ripeglobal.com or check out the show notes and you can get 30% off a membership all from the comfort of your own home.
0: I also wanted your thoughts on just I guess the concept of like imposter syndrome and is that something you ever went through or had any thoughts on just like overcoming and it kind of I guess ties into that concept of standing your ground and being confident in yourself and I guess you were still even though you said you've been practicing for 10 years I still think like you were still very you know young and youthful but I guess even in your earlier years was that something that took you a while to kind of develop your own confidence and you know did you ever struggle with feeling like an imposter or feeling
1: I think so. Um I think it's pretty normal. Um I think everyone will go through that. Um now that I've come up the other side and now I teach at the university, um I think um the 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 students that have a bit of imposter syndrome, I feel in the first few years. I always feel that they will be better clinicians. i um, not that I'm encouraging imposter syndrome or anything like that. Absolutely not, but they tend to be a little bit more cautious, which I prefer to the cowboy approach. So I think in a way, there can be some good that comes out of imposter syndrome, but not to the point where you let it control your life. So for example, if somebody uh, says something or you're wondering if that you've done something correctly, double checking and taking a cautious approach, I think is one of the benefits, for example, for doing that. But where you let it get to the point where you're turning down procedures or... Or turning down um, opportunities, I think that's when it becomes an issue. So I think everyone does have a little bit of imposter syndrome, um, especially because if you think about how we work, um, the more we know about something, uh, the more we realize how much we don't actually know. So I think, so I think that's very normal, right? Um, but I think it's. Sh- could be used as a driver to better yourself to improve yourself so for example if you feel that maybe you don't know about enough about this topic attending a good cpd course um i think all of that can be very useful things i think it's when you start to let it play on your mind or negatively affect you and stuff like that i think that becomes an issue um but one of the great ways that i've basically managed with this um those previous mentors that i told you still very close to them um every every so often i give them a a ring and then say um Like, you know, um, is this actually a thing or am I crazy? Like, and then they'll be like, you know, and then I think like if they feel, and I think the important thing about finding people that are mentors is that they have to be very honest with you.
0: Yeah, not just yeah. tell you what you want to hear.
1: Right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so I've got a few before where they were like, oh, you know, like, um, in, in this, in this thing that you've submitted, I think you need to rewrite that portion because it wasn't good enough. And I was like, good, perfect. Let me know. I'll change it. And then sometimes I'll be like, oh, you know, like, I'm a bit worried about this. And they'll be like, you're crazy. You're fine. Go do it. And i like, okay. So I think, um, having trusted people around you and having a support system is very important. Um, I think the biggest thing about imposter syndrome is just not letting it negatively affect you. Because if you want to do something, Um, and there's no negative reason for you not to do it, then just give it a go.
0: That seems also to be a common theme about really having that important support network of people just to bring you back down to earth and being like, look, get out of your head, it's fine, or actually, no, that is a problem, and you should think about it, and just getting a third party or someone's outsider, um, an outsider's perspective of the situation, because I guess throughout multiple points, multiple points that we've touched on in this little segment, it was I think the solution to it was a lot of times just having other people to talk to, to give you other perspectives. Yes.
1: And that's the one thing that I've noticed, um, you know, in my years of doing these, these sort of things as well. Um, I've known a lot of very good leaders and I've known a lot of very not great leaders. Um, one of one of the things that I think is really important and one of the things that will be so good um, if people, I think, would spend a bit more time doing, myself included, self-reflection yeah, so I think if you have an objective view of the world and you, you, you find yourself going off on a tangent, you sit down and you self-reflect, am I, is, is what I'm feeling actually justified or am I just letting my anxieties and insecurities get the better of me? I think that is so important because the ability to self-reflect, because everyone makes mistakes, right? So the ability to self-reflect and see things objectively um, as to how bad things really are or how good things really are, I think is so important. And I think, like in all of the good leaders I know, that is the quality that they have. Because everyone makes mistakes, and that's fine. But it's the ability to not make the mistake that that mistake again, or not let it hold you back. It's
0: 2022, a time where cloud-based software is enhancing every aspect of our lives. So why not leverage those same capabilities in something we use every day, our dental practice management software? Imagine a platform rethought from the ground up, intuitive and intelligent using the possibility of today's technology for your patients and your business. A solution that optimizes our daily workflows, creating the edge that modern dentists need to stay competitive and connected. Principal Practice Management Software is this solution. Efficient, intelligent, intuitive. Because it's 2022 and you expect better. Go to principal.dental to learn more. And just one last thing I wanted to touch on just about I guess, having that support network like we were talking about. Um, You're currently the president for the Western Australia Committee for Women in Dentistry, right? What are your thoughts, I guess, just on women in dentistry and just the environment and the network and what really led you to taking on that position as the president?
1: So I know this is going to be controversial, um, but I must admit that many years ago um, I did not, Understand this. Um, my feelings at the time were that women and females and males are equally represented in dentistry. We have more female dental graduates than male than male dentists. Uh, female dentists are not underrepresented in numbers, so I didn't quite understand why we needed, like, you know, a push for this and then the more time i spent in dental practices in dental spheres in associations and committees and talking to female dentists i understood why so there's so part of the reason why i came on was basically because i understood that implicit bias still exists very much unfortunately in most um in most uh, industries including dentistry um and it can be very insidious and i think part of that i feel um, a little bit of a pity is that I see um, strong leaders, male and female, but disproportionately female, who are unable to reach their full potential uh, because of situations um, either out of their control or you know either due, due to um, biases, basically. So I felt that, and basically that was that was a real light bulb moment for me when I went. I don't understand because females are not underrepresented. We usually get paid the same. Uh, in terms of commission, but it was an education process where I started to realise that there were so many more issues that we weren't realising, where basically women were being passed over for different positions or, you know, um, female speakers were not being considered to the same amount that male speakers were. When female dentists went away on maternity leave, they would come back, they would struggle. A lot of people felt very alone. And then basically there there, there were a lot of issues. So I feel now that in women in dentistry, what I'm trying to do or or what the committee is trying to do is that we're basically trying to build this support network for anyone who may require it. Because I'm a transplant to Perth as well. So I moved from Melbourne, um, well, Melbourne to Sydney and then Sydney to Perth. um, And I didn't really know anyone um so it took me a while to get these group of people that I feel comfortable about to ask these questions i mean you can have friends outside of dentistry uh, which is great and everyone should have m- more like you know a lot of friends outside the dentistry but you will also have you you also need people within the industry that you can ask industry specific questions and i think that's what i want to be in so i think that's what a lot of the committee want to be for different people and the other thing about women in dentistry is that we're not we're not exclusive So some people may be like, oh, like, why would you have like a exclusive uh, type club? Um, Actually, males are welcome to attend. One of the things I realized fairly recently is that I don't think this is in WA, but in a few different places, there are like member only organizations or study clubs that are held at male only clubs. So females, by definition, cannot join those clubs. They cannot attend those events. This is happening now in 2022, right in the dental industry. And I found that shocking. So I think, like, things like this basically need to change. Um, so that's kind of what I'm hoping. I'm kind of hoping that um, we support each other, um, we build bridges and we basically get rid of the biases because you know one of the the things that really struck me was this study that I was reading or this article that I was reading for um, Women's Day and I, I think I shared it on my social media as well is that you will have a male and a female and their CVs were exactly identical they were both very qualified people for the job And then it will go out to a selection panel and the male would probably be called, you know, ambitious, a go-getter, and, you know, he's got leadership potential. And the female with the exact, so the only thing that they changed on the CV was the name. So one was a male name, one was a female name. And then the other one was that, you know, the female would be too much, the female would be bossy, would be overly ambitious. And these are things that I've been called before. So I was like, okay, hang on. So if we are exactly the same, one male, one female, like, why is this an issue? And then, like, why would a female wanting to have kids or not wanting to have kids? Like, why would things come into how good they would be in different positions or as dentists? So, I think there's basically a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, I'm starting to see that now, and I think one of the really nice things actually is that um, I'm not a man hater. I mean, I'm married. I love my <laughs> husband. Like, I've got lots of male <laughs> friends, right? So that's the thing. I'm I'm not I'm not a man hater, but one of the qualities that I appreciate in a lot of my friends, a lot of my male and female friends is that they recognize that this is an issue and this is not the way they want their um, community to be as well. So yeah, that's, that's basically why, why, um, why I joined women in dentistry and why now I'm, you know, um, doing all the things, all of these things with the community to try and encourage women, encourage males, encourage dentists, basically, and anyone who's interested in coming um, because, because the other thing as well is that you you don't like you know when you're supporting females it doesn't mean that you're oppressing men right like we can all succeed together
0: yeah no because i guess i wanted my i wanted your thoughts on yeah it was recognizing those inequalities not in i guess i think you made a really fair point about how it's not that we're underrepresented or that there's a lack of female dentists or that the pay is different, but it's more so the opportunities or the attitudes or the way that you are treated. And I guess are you suggesting that like your vision or your purpose is to kind of give, like create a network where women don't experience that that those differences and they're treated fairly. And then I guess you're starting off. As like women in dentistry as its own network, but how do you see that then, I guess, spreading into the rest of the industry?
1: Well Women in dentistry at the moment i'm I'm just making it or, or we're just making it a very social thing at the moment where we network with each other and we talk about these things because if if conversation is shut off basically nothing will change so that's that's how i that's how I see women in dentistry in w a or at least you know what why I'm here working which is which is which is a social network we get transplants or people coming from interstate mothers coming back from maternity leave you know people not having a voice feel supported and network with other people that think similar to them. But for me personally, I think a role that I've fallen into, which mind you, if you go back to what I said about me um, not liking it when people don't like me, but somehow I've ended up in this position. Um, I <laughs> think, um, and and, and, uh, and I've embraced it now. Um, I think one of the things that I feel that my purpose has been in the, particularly you know, in the last period of time, is to basically be the spotlight like not not in a not in a mean way but if i see things like this happening um i will say something about it so i think yeah so i think that's very much where i'm at at the moment because um I'm, i mean i'm not going to be mean about it i'm not going to publicly shame someone um, i'm not going to spread falsehoods and uh, rumors and stuff like that but if i see anything going on that i think is incorrect um i i think i um I I will point it out. So I either point it out to, you know, people that are in power and go, look, maybe we shouldn't like, have you thought about this? Or like, I don't really think what the person said was correct. Um, I think that's sort of where um, I see myself as doing at the moment, basically pointing out things that I think are not being done correctly, which is not a position I relish. Like it really isn't like, (laughs) like sometimes I'm just like, Oh God. Um, But, you know, if I don't say it, who's going to say it? And I do feel that because I'm a little bit more established and that I've been out for a while now, um, I have more confidence to say it than say like, you know, a, a a newer graduate or or a young person to the dental industry, male or female.
0: Having that awareness of it and just knowing that you are not alone and I, what you were saying about just like ex- every time you excuse or you don't stand up for someone or you don't call it out it becomes excused and it becomes accepted and part of the norm but I think oftentimes we're scared to stand up or because like a questioning and doubtful of are we in the right or you know should we be thinking those things but I guess what I'm getting from like the women in dentistry and like the support society is just you are not alone and there are other people who are backing you up as well and I think the more awareness that, that is spread it's just like you said educating people and calling it out and making it a bigger movement
1: yes yeah because calling it out doesn't have to be said in a it doesn't have to be done in in a in a mean way you know it can be as simple as like having a work with someone quietly on the side stuff like that it's basically opening doors opening conversations and opening minds in a way that um, people may not have thought before and you know, um, sometimes I'm like most like you know. I'm sure a lot of the times people don't agree with me. I'm not I'm not always correct and stuff like that. But I think it's having that um, open communication basically, that really helps. Mm. Oh, and then the other thing I was going to say as well is that you know I've got bad experiences that have happened to me. Most uh, female colleagues actually um, uh, have have some sort of story or another. And the thing that I really didn't expect was that when um, Things were happening to me, uh, or or when or when situations were happening, basically, and I started to you know talk to her about it with a few of my friends and stuff like that on the side. Um, it's pretty widespread. I don't think I expected so many people to have similar type experiences. I think it's nice to see that there is some recognition of that at the moment. And we're basically supporting each other because, you know, lots of times um, if you tell me, it may not be the exact same situation, but I can empathise with what you're feeling because, you know, more than likely it's something that has happened to me or, or someone that I know. Mm, absolutely.
0: Yeah, it all starts with the conversation, hey?
1: Yes, exactly. Mm.